Praise God. It's good to be back in the house of God. Thank you, Jesus. I would add, if we could just stand real quick, I want to pray for Sister Christine. Amen. She slipped uh, during that, that Sunday that we did not have church. She fell on the ice. Amen. And uh, so she, she felt pretty good, and now she's come down with hopefully what I didn't, what I had. Amen. Hopefully she doesn't have that, but if we could all just pray for her, amen. Lord Jesus, Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus. We thank you because you are the healer, God. You are the provider, God. We thank you so very much, Lord Jesus, that we can depend on you, God, for our physical healing, our spiritual healing. We lift Sister Christine up right now in Jesus' name. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just for a few minutes uh, downstairs, if have time, amen, we're going to just talk about a few things, I, I won't keep you very long, I just have a few things, we are in the process of restructuring again, um, I love what we've done, I've loved, I love the, the process that, that uh, we're in, amen, Anytime a church is growing, amen, there's always, there's always ups and downs, amen. And we, we figure it out, we move on, we get better, amen, and that you can't do that without structure. So we've come a long way, and I'm so very thankful for what God has done with this church to this point. And I know that greater things are in store for Eastgate Pentecostal Church. Let me remind you that we are all human beings. And everybody falls short in some area or another. And during that time, as you all know, there are frustrations. But never let it override the true purpose of what God is doing. Amen. Take it as a teaching moment. God teaches us patience in many areas, many ways. And uh, I, if anyone gets frustrated, it's me. Praise God. I've come short in a lot of areas. And uh, I ask for your forgiveness. Amen. And uh, I will try harder. Amen. I'm still imperfect, but I will try harder. Amen. Pray for us. Pray for me and my wife. Amen. We love you folks so, so, so very much. Amen. If you have your Bibles, uh, let's go ahead and turn to John chapter 5 and verse number 1. We'll be looking down to verse 
number eight. I was reading this and God showed me something that like I always am when God shows me something I'm just I, I'm just amazed on how his word has so many different avenues with so many different lessons I've read this story many 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 times but I've never seen it in this in this way before Amen Thank you for praying for me as I was sick amen I really appreciate it I really really appreciate it thank you so very much uh, in fact can somebody get me some water please in John thank you brother in John chapter 5 and verse 1 It says these words. It says, After this, there was a feast of the Jews. And Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk. of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season in the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first after the troubling of the water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there, it's always a certain individual, which had an infirmity 30 and 8 years. When Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Will thou be made whole. The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, wasn't that he didn't try? Another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. <laughs> what a powerful story. I want to teach on this subject covered by his grace. Covered by his grace. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your word. Help me, Lord, to teach this this message, God, that you've given me today, God. Help me to teach it in a way, God, where it will touch all of us, God. We can examine all aspects of our lives, God. Help us to have an open mind, an 
open heart. We ask this in Jesus' mighty name. Praise God. You may be seated. I don't know about you, but there have been times where I could really identify with this individual at the pool at Bethesda, waiting for God to touch me, waiting for a healing. And when I, been, when I began to dissect this story, it reminded me of so many human deficiencies. Not only within myself, but in humanity also. Every time we are looking for any kind of hope, any time we're hungry for a supernatural in intervention, at least in my life, it always seemed like somebody else steps in and gets the blessing. There were times where I felt left out. I, God, don't you know that I've been waiting so long to be healed? God, I've been waiting so long to be touched. Amen. I'm tired of living in this condition. I can't help but feel sorry for these individuals in this story. Individuals that were impotent, blind, halt, and withered. Four classes of individuals, four types of people, four different types of issues that needed a touch from God. Now, even though I wasn't there witnessing this scene in ministry and really not even in ministry, just being out in the world, I've seen so many people that have lived with this same condition, whether it's being impotent, uh, it's impotent, impotency is a lack of being productive. The inability to produce. I've seen the spiritual degradation of those that have come to God. New converts, Amen that were so excited and on fire for what God had done for them, but slowly, for some reason, they, they fade into the abyss, if you will. And so I, I, I looked at this story like I try to look at all stories, and this story stretches, in my eyes, way beyond the physical realm of humanity. In fact, the physical features that are described in the story is the result of mankind's rejection of God. 
It's the result of mankind's rejection of God. If Adam and Eve would have never rejected God, mankind would never be with these human deficiencies that we experience today. So I believe this story not only gives us a picture of the slow backward progress of someone who stops being productive in their spiritual life, but it also shows us how Jesus shows up. He always shows up and gives an individual or individuals a way of escape. Praise God. He sees you. He saw this man. He saw these group of people in their condition. And he showed up. And so for 38 years, this individual, this this man was there waiting for this life-altering intervention. He was so desperate for something Anything. I just need a change in my life. I'm desperate. I'm hungry. I've got to have a change. I'm tired of being in this condition. So every year, he goes to this pool and he's constantly reminded of his condition as he saw the reflection in the water year after year after year after year after year. I don't know how this man got to this place year after year. I don't know if he crawled there year after year. I don't know if desperation caused him to crawl to this place hoping that he would have a miracle, hoping that God would change his condition. And so it drove him there year after year after year after year. I can't imagine living in this condition day after day, year after year, and yet Is it possible? Is it, is, it, is it possible that in some areas we fall under this same scenario? A deeper study to me, and it's, it's just me, you might see this different, but a deeper study to me shows me, and it can show us that this man was with a company that day, for there wasn't just him. There was a great multitude of impotent folk. There was a multitude of people that were blind and halt and withered. How did this man, this individual, find himself in this place? How was he so overtaken? How did he not have enough strength to help himself into the water where he could be healed? Why was he so dependent on somebody helping him get to a place where he couldn't get there on his own? 
I think the scriptures very clear as we read further down of what caused this dilemma because Jesus said in John chapter 5 verses 14 through 16 after after the man was healed Jesus found him in the temple and said unto him behold thou art made whole and then what did he say sin no more, lest a worse thing come unto thee. So apparently there was something in this man that was causing him to lose his productivity. It was causing him to lose his ability to have strength within himself to do something, to get out of his condition. Mm. It is simple to see when a person begins to venture off into sin. Sin has a way of changing the way they think as well as their physical appearance. You ever see somebody that... <coughs> Looks great one time. You've seen them, and many years down the road, they, they've, they, they've allowed themselves to get into something, and their whole appearance has altered. It's totally changed. They're almost unrecognizable. And it's because they've allowed them to be distracted from what they were doing before they got into that. And that is so relevant in the spiritual life, in our spiritual lives, praise God. If we allow ourselves to be distracted from where we are and what God is doing for us because of something that happens in our lives, it can alter the way we think. It can alter our physical appearance. Our continents literally can change. We're unrecognizable. And this occurs because sin is sin is a disease. It's it's like leprosy. Brother George taught on leprosy a while back, and I thought that was pretty awesome but leprosy leprosy is, is a disease it doesn't seem significant at first it begins as maybe a spot something really insignificant something that really doesn't seem like it's going to be very destructive but as time goes on amen it begins to spread throughout the body. And eventually it causes a loss of feeling. It causes numbness, if you will. And, 
and, and, and, and parts of the body can, can begin to fall off. And, 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 and if people knew that you had leprosy, they would, they, would, they would cause you to be in a place of isolation. After isolation, eventually death would occur. And I thought it was strange because the first, the first signs of leprosy, if I understand this right, according to many scholars, appeared in Egypt. It's amazing that God would, or the Bible would identify Egypt as a type of sin. And so Jesus warned this man, he said, even though you have found restoration, even though you've had this divine intervention that you've been waiting for for 38 years, you still have to guard yourself. You still have to be aware, praise God. Aware from what? Aware from outside sources, outside influences that will try to stop the process, the calling of God on your life, on my life. What's more amazing is the fact that there are those that did not like this intervention that this man was desiring and after Jesus touched them, they were upset because of his change. The world doesn't want you to change. The world wants you to stay in the same condition that they are in. Misery loves company. As long as you're miserable, they can cope with that because it it justifies their condition. But when God touches you and God restores you, praise God, there is an uneasiness that comes upon individuals in the world, amen. That's why they don't want anything to do with you. It's amazing. John chapter 5, verse 16 says, And therefore did the Jews persecute Jesus and sought to slay him. They wanted to kill. That's amazing to me. They wanted to kill Jesus because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. They want to they want to call the shots. They want to decide when change is going to come in your life. That's not the God we serve. God doesn't want us in that condition. You see, sin has a way of causing spiritual blindness. When you look at this story, Brother George, it's not many important. It could be one individual that finds himself in this place of impotency and everything else goes downhill from there. What kind of things? We can 
find ourselves in a place where we're unproductive. And when we're unproductive, it lose, we, we tend to lose our focus. And we become spiritually blind. And when we're spiritually blind, my friend, it causes us to halt because we can't see anymore. And obviously the last step is we become, we begin to shrivel up. We begin to digress. We begin to die. Why? Because anything that's shriveled up means that you're not getting the nutritions, the, the nutrients that you need to stay alive. Spiritual blind <coughs> spiritual blindness is a person's inability to get from one place to the other. Spiritually. Blindness can limit us from moving beyond our own situation because of what we see. Think about this. What we see or what we don't see. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3, If our gospel, if the good news be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. What's the gospel? The gospel is the power of God. It's what keeps you free. It's what makes you free. It's what's going to get you to heaven, amen, if you hold on to it. In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not. Do you realize you can stop believing? Well, I always believe. Belief is not a mental affirmation. Belief is a lifestyle. Yeah. It's something that you have to show actions for what you believe. I can't say I believe in something and then not have anything to do with it. If I believe in the process of God, I'm going to let God move in my life. I'm going to let God guide me. I'm going to be productive in the kingdom of God. Lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Praise God. Spiritual blindness will eventually carry a person to a place of self-deception. It's a place of spiritual darkness. Isaiah 59 and 9 says this. Judgment is far from us. Spiritual deception. Judgment is far from us. Neither doth justice overtake us. We wait for light, but behold, obscurity. For brightness, but we walk in darkness. We grope for the wall like the blind, and we grope as if we had no eyes. We stumble at noonday as in the night. We are in desolate places as dead men. When you're blind, you cannot be guided. You cannot be taught. You cannot be mentored. You, you have allowed yourself to become numb. No feelings. 
You know everything. Nobody can tell me what to do. We've entered into that spiritual blindness. When a person is impotent, their immune system begins to break down. It, it, it breaks down. And then they become unproductive due to weakness. Weakness causes blurred vision as they lose focus. The next stage is to be spiritually halted. Step number three. The word halt means to be in a state of uncertainty or doubt between alternate courses. You no longer believe God. You're doubting that God can work in your life or, or is working in your life. Or choices. It's a suspension of movement. Or activity. It's a suspension of movement or activity. In other words, I want you to understand this. When God created us, God created us to fulfill an assignment, a calling, a purpose. This was the calling of God. He called you. He already knew because God sees everything. He sees the beginning to the end. He knows everything that's going to happen in your life. All your ups, all your downs, praise God. And because he's God, he pulls everything together. Your ups and downs, praise God. And the Lord, amen, he takes everything. And he works it out to fulfill his purpose. He works it out. I want you to see this. The, I taught this a while back. The Hebrew word for calling is the word kara. And kara is a very interesting word. It is divided into two Hebrew words. Ka, which means something that is brought together. And Ra is something that God sees. Something that God beholds. But there's another interesting word that closely mirrors this word Kara. And the word is Yira. Yira is the Hebrew word for fear. Kara is something God sees. Yira is something we see. Think about that. They both have the implication of beholding something or seeing something. Ye really is the Hebrew letter Yod, and Yod is a picture of a hand. So it's fear if we, on one hand we see what God sees, on the other hand, and sometimes we let the fear or the doubt outweigh what God is trying to do in our lives. Yeah. It outweighs. 
We, don't, we no longer believe in what God is doing in our lives. We let fear overshadow that. And because of that, we can slowly digress and step into this place of being withered. Withered defined. Withered means to dry up and be shriveled by age or disease. By age or disease. By something that happens. The three prior stages which are the impotent folk, the blind folk, the halt folk, is what brings about this final stage and its results. Listen to this. When someone is withered, they come to a point of digressing from their spiritual life. Jesus knew. God, this is so awesome. I, when God was showing this, I, was, I said, man, Lord. Jesus knew that this man could not help himself. He was so weak because of his own actions. His own actions. He was in sin. It caused him to be weak. It caused him to lose his strength. He couldn't even get to the place of deliverance if he tried. He was so weak because of his own actions that when the troubling of the waters came, he did not have the strength to get to the place of deliverance. Every one of these folks were drawn to this place called Bethesda. Every one of them. They were drawn to this place. You never end up at a place, amen, searching for divine intervention, searching for healing without God having his hands in it. They were drawn to this place, Bethesda. And this place, Bethesda, is a very interesting place. <coughs> the Bible says it had five porches. Five porches. And I, 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 I begin to think about that. Five porches. What, what, what is a porch? A porch is simply a covering. We have a porch in our backyard. It's, it's, it's attached to the back of our house. And even if it's raining, amen, we can get under that porch and we can sit around our little fire dilly there, right there and we could, we could have marshmallows or, or whatever we want to do or just enjoy fellowship. And we like it there. We can close the blinds and we can sit there and we can have fellowship, but it's really nice and we feel really secure and protected. And so they were there at these Five porches where they could encounter Jesus. A porch, again, is a covering. And there was five of them. Five in the Bible, throughout the Bible, represents grace. It represents grace. Peter said in chapter 5 and verse 10, 1 Peter, the grace of all, the God of all grace who hath called us unto his eternal glory by Jesus Christ, after that we have <coughs> suffered a while, will make you perfect, established, strengthened, 
and settle you. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4 says this. It's the goodness of God and long-suffering of God that leads us to change. We can never get to a place on our own without the grace of God, the power of God, the leading of God. But if we find ourselves in a position where we've made up our mind that we can do it on our own, we're going to fall short, friend. Why? Because we find ourselves in a position without God. We've allowed ourselves to become so weak by things that happen in our lives because of our own actions. And when God wants change in our life, we've allowed ourselves to become so numb to the calling of God, to the purpose of God, that when deliverance comes, we can't find it. And so whatever position we find ourselves in, it's the grace of God and only the grace of God that draws us to a place of deliverance. Of deliverance. Every one of us, me, you, every one of us, we have to be dependent on God's grace. What is God's grace? God's grace is not just favor, praise God, but it's the power of God that helps you live a wholesome, healthy, spiritual life. When God created you for a purpose, God saw you in your dilemma, praise God. He came to you and me in our condition, praise God. And he knew, amen, without him, you could never get to that place, that pool, that place of deliverance where you could receive power. It's an impossibility, my friend. You don't have it in yourself. I don't have it in myself. We need the grace of God. We need the mercy of God. Without God, we can do nothing. We can do nothing. And so we see this man. For 38 years, Brother George. 38 years he struggled to get to this place. I don't know if it took him five days to get to this place where he could get deliverance. I don't know how he got to this place. I don't know if someone carried him to this place. Sometimes we need each other to carry us. Don't be so proud, my friend, where you think that you can do it on your own, praise God. You need the church of the living God to hold you up in prayer, to carry you to that place of deliverance. If you don't, you're going to wither and you're going to die. Yeah. You're going to wither. You're going to die. God has put these mechanisms in place, Brother Robbie, so we can depend 
We can depend on each other. That's why we're a body. A body helps members that are struggling. If my, if my pinky becomes numb, praise God, and I don't have no feelings, I'm going to embrace it. I'm going to cherish it. I'm going to figure out why I have no feelings in my pinky, praise God, because I need that insignificant part of the body that I feel I probably don't need. I need that part because God created me with it. I am not going to cut it off. I will do everything in my power, everything in my power to keep my pinky, praise God. Because I need it. And every part of the body, wherever you are, wherever God has you, is dependent on somebody else. Well, I don't want to get close to people. Well, my friend, you don't have a choice. You don't have a choice. God has created you to be close to people. Why? Because it's people that will help you grow. Imperfect people will help you grow. Imperfect people will help you mature, praise God. Imperfect people will give you, amen, the patience and the long-suffering that you need for God to work in your life, praise God. You need people. You need the church of the living God. We all do. I said we all do. I need you you need me. I think there's a song like that. It's a kid's song. But I really, I really need you in my life. I need your prayers. I covet your prayers. I cover, covet your friendship. I covet the phone calls when I, I get them. I covet every aspect of you, whether it's good or bad. I covet it. Because I know that God has placed you in my life for a reason, amen. And I will embrace that. Because there's never a coincidence in God's kingdom. I'll say it again. There's never a coincidence in God's kingdom, praise God. Wherever you are in the kingdom of God, let me tell you something, my friend. God has divinely orchestrated that place, that position, that area, wherever you are, to fulfill his purpose. It's all about God's purpose. Praise God. Don't let fear and doubt blind you. Blind you from being productive. Don't stop. Don't stop. Don't allow yourself to shrink and die. Amen. Let's depend on each other. And let's love each other. In Jesus. Everyone say in Jesus' name.
Why don't we all stand? Thank you, Jesus. And why don't we lift our hands and magnify him? Lord God, I love you, Jesus. I praise you, mighty God. You are so good, Jesus. And I love you so very much, Lord God. Mighty God, mighty God, mighty God. Amen. Praise God. It's just something that I had in my heart. Amen. And I know it's for this church. If you feel like you've received something from God, I open these altars for you this morning. Please come and talk to the Lord.